It's, it's an honor to be here. I, this is amazing. I tell you, I'm impressed. And it's a great crowd on Thursday night. And this is a beautiful building. We're in a building project at our church, and it's not this big. It's about a third of the size of your building project. It's a total building project. But I tell you what, it takes a lot of faith. It has for me and for our people. And you pray for us. We're trying to move ahead, and we're hoping to start construction uh, in September of this year. But uh, this is inspiring and encouraging to me. I wish you could meet my wife. I, she had planned to come. Our daughter is expecting her third child, and there was some problems that she had yesterday. She had a lot of problems with her first delivery, but uh, we, she wasn't able to come, so I'm sorry for you about that, but uh, it's been a blessing to be here. Thank you so much for allowing us to come. Take your Bibles, if you would. Turn to Ruth chapter 1. Ruth chapter 1 in your Bibles. Ruth chapter 1. And keep them open. We may look back to several verses in this little book, the book of Ruth. I think we have a video. I want to show that video as introduction to this message. If you have it, you can go ahead and play that. I don't know if you can relate to that or not, but I do know this. If we're not careful, we can react like spoiled children on Christmas morning to what our loving God allows in our lives. Have you ever, have you ever had your heart set on something? I mean, something that you really, really, really wanted, and then life hand you something totally different. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us that the nation of Israel and God's dealings with them in the Old Testament, are to be an example to us as New Testament believers. Have you ever studied their journeys? It's interesting. From bondage in Egypt to the door of the Promised Land and then finally crossing the Jordan River, they go in. But in all of this, they were never quite satisfied with the good gifts that God gave them. You can almost hear the people of Israel saying, I want a toy. I want a toy. I don't want this. I want a toy. In Egypt, they are slaves. They long to be a free nation with their own land, and they cry out to God, and he delivers them. Are they satisfied? Not hardly. In the wilderness, they're blessed with a strong leader in Moses. They're not satisfied with him. Manna came down from heaven every day. They quickly grew tired of that. Water came from a rock, clothes that never wore out, a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. Yet they complain and grumble and they whine, not once or twice, but ten times, God says. They said, I want a toy. I want a toy. I don't want this. I want a toy. They came to the door of the promised land and spies are sent in. Boy, this is a land that flows with milk and honey and it's already ours. Caleb and Joshua knew and they all should know and they said it's free for the taking. 
No, the majority of the people said the, pe the people there are too big, the cities are walled, it's going to be difficult, it's going to be scary. Then in the 40 years of wandering, which they brought on themselves, by the way, God still provides for them, and they still complain. Finally, they enter the promised land under Joshua. It's an abundant land, and it's all theirs. But again, again they murmur, and they take God's good gifts for granted. In fact, the generation after Joshua hadn't even heard of God's mighty works. The generation after Joshua didn't even know Jehovah God. That brings us to the time of Judges. And over and over again, we see a vicious cycle, and you can study the book of Judges and see this. Sin and idolatry came. The people, of course, turned to idols. They turned their back on God. Then God turns his back on them, and judgment comes. They don't, they're, not, they're enslaved, or there's famine or something. They don't like it, and they cry out to God, help us. They say, God, we won't do it again. God, in his great mercy, raises up a judge. A judge was a political and a spiritual leader like Gideon or Samson to deliver them. But like a spoiled child who doesn't get what they want on Christmas, they were never satisfied with what God did for them. So they repeated this cycle again and again and again. That's really the book of Judges. You know, in the book of Judges, this didn't just happen. I'm talking about this cycle where they rebelled and God judged them and they cried out to God and God raised up a deliverer. This didn't just happen two or three times. It happened 13 different times in the 330 years that are covered by the book of Judges. In fact, out of the 330 years that are covered in the book of Judges, the people of God are only free for 110 of those years. So one-third of the time, they're free. Two-thirds of the time, they're enslaved. Why? They're not satisfied. Like the spoiled child in our video, they won't trust the one who loves them. They couldn't see God's good gifts because of their own rebellion. Well, that brings us to our passage here in the book of Ruth, which explains this truth on a more personal level. And I want you to listen. I, I think you may learn something tonight. A lot of you know the book of Judges or you know some of the story, but I think there may be some things that you can see that would help us and maybe we could apply to our life. And I pray that we'll be doers of the word, not hearers only. Amen. Look at chapter 1, verse 1. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malan and Chilion, Ephrathites of the Bethlehem, Judah, and they came into the country of Moab and continued there. This story took place in the time of the judges. It was a chaotic time. It was brought on by people who wouldn't trust God. It was brought on by people who just refused to trust the good God who took care of them. They complained and they complained. Did we pray yet? Let's pray. Father, bless now the message. I pray that you would be honored and glorified. Give me clarity of thought and mind. Help us to gain truth from your word and that we would leave here being better servants for you, more thankful, more like Christ than when we came in. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let me tell you this story really quickly. There's a man named Elimelech. He decides to take his family from Bethlehem, Judah, down to Moab. Because this time, when the people of Israel turn to idolatry, God sends a famine. Now, Elimelech, the name means my God is king, but Elimelech doesn't live up to his name. He doesn't trust his God. Instead, he goes to Moab because he trusts the food supply down in Moab. 
His wife is named Naomi. Naomi's name means pleasant or sweet. They have two boys named Malan and Chilion. Really bizarre names. Malan in the Hebrew comes from the word makalah, which means sickness. Chilion comes from the Hebrew word kalia, which means death or extermination. Yes, folks, they named their boys sickness and death. Parents, here's some advice. Don't do that to your children. Meet my sons here. You know, this is black plague and this is walking pneumonia. I mean, this, this is what they named their boys. But this family, regardless, they moved to Moab. The boys marry Moabite women who don't know Jehovah God. And as time passes, tragedy comes to this family. First, Elimelech dies. We, we don't know why he died. We don't know exactly what happened to him. But shortly after this, sickness and death, they pass away. Now, that's a shock. Now we have three widows. We have three widows here in this story. And apparently God has raised up a judge back in Israel. So Naomi decides, I want to go back home. I want to go back to Bethlehem. And as she starts on her journey, her two daughter, daughters-in-law go with her. They don't go very far and Naomi stops. And she says to these two ladies again, here's three widows. She says to her two daughters-in-law, I know what it's like to be a woman in a foreign country, it's not very easy. She says to them, I'm not going to have any more sons for you to marry. Go back to your father's house, she said, just stay here and live your lives out here in Moab. One of the girls named Orpah sees the good sense in this and she goes back. She had a lot of TV talk shows to make and said, no, that was Oprah. All right, this is Orpah. But Orpah goes back home. She, does, she, she obeys her mom or listens to her mom. But the other is a girl named Ruth. And she says, I'm not leaving you. And it's really interesting if you read in chapter 1, her testimony. She says to Naomi, she says, your home is going to be my home. She says, your people are going to be my people and your God is going to be my God. And so Naomi and Ruth journey over the mountains to Naomi's hometown, the little town of Bethlehem. You may have heard of that before. Are you still with me? How many are still with me? Say amen if you're still with me. All right, don't leave me yet. We're going somewhere, believe it or not. At this time, we think there were only about 200 people that lived in this little town of Bethlehem. And so when Naomi returns home after being away in Moab, it's big news. Everybody knows about it. In fact, all the people come out and they look and they see this little family, this little group, actually just two women. They're coming back home and they, they say, is that Naomi? Boy, it sure doesn't look like her. Naomi was always so pleasant. Naomi was always so sweet. This woman doesn't seem pleasant or sweet. You know what Naomi says? Naomi says, don't call me Naomi. Naomi Naomi means pleasant or sweet. She said, call me Mara. And the word Mara means bitter. Look at Ruth chapter 1 and verse 20 and verse 21. And here's the message, really. And she said unto them, call me not Naomi, call me Mara. For the, notice this, the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? Can't you see why Naomi is bitter here in this story? She's angry at God. She she feels that God has not held up his end of the bargain. She didn't get what she wanted. You can almost hear Naomi saying, I want a toy. I, I don't want this. 
I want a toy. I want a toy. See, Naomi and her family, they only wanted relief from a famine. They only wanted to have some more security in a difficult time. That's all they wanted. And now Naomi is bitter. And she says, God, you haven't been fair. Essentially, read these verses. She said, God, you didn't treat me right. You didn't give me what I wanted. I lost my husband. I lost my two sons. I have nothing left. I wonder if that doesn't sound like some of us today. You feel that God has let you down because your life is not what you expected it to be. You may be like that spoiled child on Christmas morning. I don't want this. I want a toy. Maybe you come from a a broken home. And if you do, we hurt for you. We have many such in our church. And I hate that. And I wish that maybe if I could, I'd change it. But I'm not God. And it's a good thing I'm not God. Because if I was God, we'd all be in a big mess. Maybe you say preacher, but it was a broken relationship. And I've been through some difficult things. You didn't plan for an illness. You didn't plan for your husband to leave you. You you didn't plan for your job to evaporate. It's not fair. It's not fair in your eyes. It's not what you wanted. I want a toy, you say. I don't want this. I wanted a toy. I remember when I first came to Arizona about 25 years ago. I came in faith and my wife and our three children. We have four now. But uh, we got there and I had candidated there and they called me. It's my first church and I had worked on staff at the Bible College where I graduated from. And one thing I didn't do when I came to candidate is I didn't ask them anything about the finances. And I found out that it was probably a good thing I didn't ask them because I probably wouldn't have come. That's my lack of faith. But I got there and I went through the books with our treasurer, one of our deacons, and it wasn't good news. In fact, it was discouraging news. Long story short, they couldn't pay me. We lived with that deacon in his house. In fact, they're so gracious. They're still in the church. They gave us their bedroom. They went down to the basement, my wife and I and our children. And boys, the middle of the summertime in Arizona, and how many know it gets pretty hot in Arizona in the middle of the summertime? You folks over here are just plain soft. That's all there is to it. You guys are soft. That's why God puts you here, because you're not tough enough to take the heat of Arizona, I think. But <laughs> I envy some of you in, in July and August. But it's the middle of the summer, and I'm discouraged. And there were times when I thought, this isn't fair. God, I left, I left everything I knew to come out here. They can't pay me, and <laughs> it's hot out here. Nobody seems to want to come. Nobody wants to. I had a lot of motivation to get out there and get people in church. We were sinking. We couldn't pay the bills that we had. Boy, it was just a a struggling time. I was tempted to be like Naomi and say, God, you didn't treat me right. God, this is not what I wanted. This is not what I envisioned. This is not what I thought when I was in church ed and Bible college. Like Naomi, we can become bitter. We could be tempted to become bitter. You know, the truth is, people might read this story and say, this is a story about loss. This story here, the book of Ruth, is about somebody who lost a lot. And the truth is, Naomi did lose a lot of things. 
She lost her home. She lost her husband. She lost both of her sons. She lost her joy, and maybe more importantly, she lost her testimony. Poor Naomi, you might think, this is a story about loss. No, 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 no. Because this is not the end of the story. This story in the book of Ruth is not a story about loss. Read the rest of the story. And I'm going to say to you today, you may be in that position where you're bitter against God. You don't understand things. You might be like Naomi and saying, God, it's not fair. I, d- I didn't choose this. My parents are divorced. and Man, I'm, I'm going through a difficult time. Maybe I've got some illness. Maybe it's a debilitating illness and it's not going to go away. And you might be like Naomi and say, the Almighty God hadn't treated me right. It's just not fair. And I want to tell you something. It doesn't have to end that way. It doesn't have to end that way. She lost a lot. Some of you have lost a lot. You've lost loved ones, financial security, your health. We're praying in our church for one of our missionaries right now, Martha, Martha Kenyanga to Tanzania. And she's just, just had a child in the past year, and she was just diagnosed with colon cancer. Now she's back in the States. In fact, she has surgery, I think, on the 25th. You know, it'd be easy to look at that and say, well, that's not fair. Here's a young mother who's overseas trying to win people to Christ. They just had over 900 in their church on Easter Sunday and it just seems like God is blessing and working and now they have to leave everything, come back here to the States and she's fighting for her life. It'd be easy to look at that and say it's not fair. It's just not fair. But I want to say something. You may have suffered loss but it doesn't have to define your life. You see this story of Naomi is not over yet. See, watch this, friends. You and I cannot choose the circumstances of life no more than a child would choose their Christmas gifts. But you can choose how you react to the circumstances. You and I can't choose what happens in our life, but we can choose to trust God in spite of that. You don't choose to be a widow. You don't choose to be sick. You don't choose for a loved one to pass, but you can choose to trust God in whatever He allows because... God knows what's best. And God loves you, friend. This story about Naomi does not have to be a story about loss, and neither does your story. You see, Naomi opens a box hoping to find a toy, and all it is is a princess sweater. And she says, I don't want it. I don't like it. I want a toy. We all know disappointment when we don't get what we want. But if we learn to trust God, if we... Learn to be patient like Naomi did. You'll see that the word that describes this story, Naomi's story and Ruth's story, the, the, the word that describes this story in the book of Ruth is not lost, but rather it's redemption. That's the key word for this story. It's being saved by Almighty God from sin and from evil and from loss. Naomi and Ruth are concerned about one thing when they get back to Bethlehem. And that one thing is what we might be concerned about. How in the world are we going to survive? Look at chapter 2 and verse number 2. Let me show you this. And Ruth the Moabite said unto Naomi, this is her daughter-in-law, let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, go, my daughter. Seven times in this book, don't leave me now because you'll learn something. Seven times in this book we're reminded that Ruth the Moabite is a foreigner. She's an outsider. She's no doubt rejected by many. How many know that the Jewish people can be very bigoted? How many know Peter had a problem with that? 
Many of them did because it was separation and they were a people of God. And many of them had bad feelings toward foreigners. They, the people here in Israel were harvesting barley at this time of the year. And by law, those who harvested had to leave some grain for the poor. It's a great welfare system, really. We, we ought to take advantage of this. But what they would do is they, they were required to drop handfuls and they were required not to harvest the corners of their field. So they could take the harvesters out there and their workers out there, but they would leave the corners. In this welfare system, the poor had to work and to gather, but they could be fed. In chapter 2, look at verse number 3, and I love this. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers, underline these words, and her hap. And her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz who was of the kindred of Elimelech and her half. I, I love that. In other words, it just so happened. It just so happened that Ruth was gleaning in Boaz's field. Wouldn't you know it? Coincidentally, imagine that. Go figure. It just so happened that God arranged it so that Ruth, who was trusting Jehovah God, ended up in the field of a wealthy, single, godly man. What do you know? And this man just happens to be a relative of Elimelech. What a God. Listen to me, friend. What a God we serve. Hey, you can trust him. He knows best, friend. He knows best for your life. Hey, here's the answer. Be patient. Keep believing in him. To make a long story short, Naomi encourages Ruth to make herself known to Boaz. It's, it's a love story really here. She receives special favor from Boaz. Finally, Naomi, her mother-in-law, tells her to put on her best clothes and perfume and go to his threshing floor. What, what they would do in those days, the men would work hard all day, of course, gathering the grain and getting the harvest in, and then they would go to the threshing floor, and they were tired, and they would sleep there. And one reason they would sleep there on the threshing floor is so nobody would come and steal their grain. Are you still with me? How many still with me? Say amen. Still with me. Ruth comes in. And she lies at Boaz's feet. And Naomi tells Ruth, he says, he'll tell you what to do. And it's not, this is not what you may think. This, this is cultural. In a humble way, this, it's not anything that's shady that's going on here. But Ruth, in a humble way, is proposing to Boaz. In other words, she comes to the threshing floor at his feet. And she says, I'm available. I'm willing to be your wife she says by doing this, I'm willing to come under your care if you would like it. Boaz awakens and agrees to marry her. Don't leave me. Do you remember when God gave Israel the promised land? He gave each tribe except Levi a certain area. And every family of that tribe, he gave them a parcel of land. Do you remember how when they came into the land of Cain that the land was divided? The law said that if something happened and you lost that parcel of land a near relative of the same tribe and family could come and buy that land. But he couldn't just buy the land, he bought the people who went with the land. In this case, there were two widows, Ruth and Naomi. It turns out that there's another fellow who is a closer relative to Elimelech than Boaz is. So this other relative has the right of first refusal to this land. So Boaz goes to this man and he says, there's this parcel of land and you can buy it, sir. But one thing you need to know, there are two widows attached. There's this woman from Moab and her mother-in-law. 
They're yours if you want them. It'd be kind of like a real estate agent saying, I want to sell you a house real cheap. And you'd get a little suspicious and you scratch your head and say, why is it so cheap? Uh, cheap? And, and the real estate agent says, well, there's this mother-in-law that lives upstairs. She comes with the house and she calls her name Bitter. You'll like her, I think. It's going to work out great. Well, this close relative says, I'm out. I'm not interested. He says to Boaz, you can buy the land. Look at chapter 4 and verse 13. Chapter 4 and verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she was his wife. And when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception. And she bare a son. Boaz redeems this Moabite girl. A foreigner, an outsider. This is interesting. Let's go back a little bit. When the children of Israel came into the promised land under Joshua, two spies were sent into the city to spy it out, and they hid in the house of Rahab. Do you remember that story? How many remember the story of Rahab the harlot? Well, they went into this city of, of, of Jericho, and they spy this land out, and they went to Rahab the harlot's house. Why did they go there? I think because men could go there with no questions asked. Everybody knew why you went there. But because of her faith in Israel's God, Rahab was spared along with her family. Yep. Remember the scarlet thread placed out the window? And yep. So she was taken in by the people of Israel, but she was still a foreigner. She was an outsider, and of course, she had this tainted background. Rahab did. She was a harlot. She may not have been accepted by everybody. In fact, I'm pretty sure she wasn't. It may have been hard on her. A man named Salmon married Rahab. Rahab gave birth to a son and his name was Boaz. The same Boaz. The same one. Listen, Boaz's own mother had been a foreigner in a strange land. Boaz's own mother also had worshipped pagan gods at one time. Maybe Ruth reminded him of his mother's story. But regardless of that, he takes her in and God works it out. You know, this story was like opening a Christmas present. It's not what you want. It's hard to accept the circumstances. And you see that over and over in this story. But watch me, when they open the box and they look deeper inside, they found something better than they could ever imagine. No, it wasn't what they wanted. Here comes Naomi back and says, Almighty God, you've dealt bitterly with me. It's not been fair. You've not treated me right. She was very angry and bitter. If we're not careful, you and I can do the same thing. That's why it's so important that we trust God. I have a present here. Something like you might receive on Christmas or on your birthday. I don't know about you, when I was growing up, if I ran into my grandma's house where the toys were, there were a lot of them, I would go in and I would count mine versus how many my brother had, my sister had, my other my sister had. I'd shake them and try to guess. And you might get a gift like this and you may look at it and say, yeah, man, this is about right. This is about what I want. Yeah, this is pretty good. Hey, this is neat. Somebody thought about me. I bet this is going to be something great. And you open it. Don't you hate people that take a long time to open gifts? My wife wrapped this today, so it may take me more time than I'm used to, but 
You open this gift, and man, you're excited. Just Christmas morning. Man, your birthday. Wonderful gift, and you open this gift, and man, you're anticipating. Can't wait to get inside, and then you... They hold it. This, this isn't what I want. And that's not what I asked for. Abuse and heartache. Poverty. And there's hurt and there's pain that comes. I may know it comes to Christians as well. Sometimes cancer comes. So that's not what I wanted. God, I... I wanted something different. I was excited. I, I was looking forward to something else, and I didn't want this. Maybe it's the loss of a job. You say, God, but I'm just trying to serve you. God, man, I'm going to church. I come on Saturdays, and I, I go soul winning. I may teach a Sunday school class. God, this is not what I want. Sickness is coming to my life. It's not what I want, and death of loved ones, and friends, and loneliness. It's not what I want. If we're not careful, God sends some things into our life, and we begin to cry. I want a toy. I want a toy. My sister-in-law works at our school, teaches our kindergarten classes. Sweet Christian lady. You know why she works at our school is because about five years ago, her husband, who was the principal of a Christian school in Arkansas, just 47 or 48 years of age, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And within about three months, he was gone. Say, preacher, explain that. I can't. Their son will be coming home this week from Bible college. He just graduated. I can sometimes see the hurt in his face. Lost his father. I don't understand that. The Esposito family has been such an encouragement to me through the years. I won't get into the story because you know it, but Many, many times they could have said it's not fair. I don't understand. It's not what we wanted. It's not what we asked for. Jesse Dominguez, I saw him last week at the college. He had a teenage girl, I think she was 14 years of age, named Megan. Volleyball player, active in her school. Passed away suddenly. It's not what I want. God, it's not what I want. I want a toy. I don't want that. It's not what I want. We have a lady in our church named Marita. She came from Pakistan. It's a long story. I can't tell you the whole story, but she was a Christian in Pakistan. The Muslims came in. They abused many of the Christians, held her husband at gunpoint, ransacked their house. The family had to move to the UAE. While they were there, they began to teach. She's educated. They had to go back to Pakistan to get their stamp renewed or their visa renewed. Her husband said, I'm not going back. She said, we've got to go back. 
we've got to go back or we can't stay here. Two days before they had to go back, her husband took a gun and killed himself in front of their 12-year-old son. It's not what I want. I want a toy. Hold it. Before you give up on God and say, that's enough. Before you give up on God and say, you're not taking care of me, God, this isn't fair. Before you give up on God and say, God has afflicted me. And I'm bitter and I'm angry. Wait, wait, friend, wait. Trust the gift giver. Hey, dig a little deeper and see what may be inside the box. Hey, don't give up on God just yet. Because if you go a little deeper into the box, you may find something there. I see in this box some other things that are inside here. I see that Naomi has a future. I see that Ruth has a future. You know why? Because Naomi has a grandson. And that grandson means blessing. Hey, deeper in the box, God has a plan. It didn't look right. And she said, this isn't fair. Almighty God has been unfair to me. If you just hang in there and trust God, you may get just what you need from the hand of a loving God. And there's hope. There's hope. The Lord gave Naomi a grandson representing blessing and hope in the future. Not only that, but Boaz, who is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ, gave these two widows something else. He gave them salvation. He redeemed these two widows who were hopeless and in need. He redeemed them and saved them from abandonment and hopelessness. Watch the final picture, and I love this. Look at the final picture in chapter 4 and look at verse 16 and 17. And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. And the women, her neighbors, gave it a name saying, This is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Hey, friend. You say, it's not fair. God, I'm bitter. I'm angry. It's, it's not what I want. I wanted a toy. I don't want this. I don't understand why cancer came. I don't understand why there's a loss of a job. I don't understand why you'd take my husband. I don't understand why I would have this loss. Hey, friend, just wait. Just trust the gift giver. Hey, dig a little deeper in the box because Naomi became the great, great grandmother to King David. And by the way, Rahab was also a great grandmother of David. Hey, if you hang in there and trust God, friend, watch me. If you'll hang in there and trust God, you may not always get what you want. You might get something better than that. You may get just what you need from the hand of our loving God. Hey, watch this family tree. Rahab, Boaz and Ruth, Obed, Jesse, David, and if you trace it on down the line a little bit longer, you find the Lord Jesus Christ. What are you saying, friend? I'm saying that if you'll trust the loving hand of our God, and we open a gift and we say, it's not what I want, it's not what I expected, I'm tempted to become bitter. See, what they couldn't see until years and years later was something deep, deep inside that box. The Lord Jesus Christ. 
in the lineage of Naomi. <laughs> Can you see Naomi in heaven? She walks by the throne of God and says, hello, grandson. It's an awesome thing. Yeah. I'm just saying, if you don't like what you have, wait on God. If you don't feel it's fair, hey, just keep trusting God. If you feel like, man, I'm tempted to become bitter and it just doesn't seem right. I, I've got this loss in my life and I've got neighbors, they're unsaved and they don't come to church and they don't give to the building program and they never pass out a gospel track. And yet they seem to not have problems and I've got all kinds of problems. Hey, friend, hey, friend, don't give up on your God. Keep trusting him. You don't know and I don't know what good gift that God is going to give you because my Bible says in Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them that are the called according to his purpose. Hey, friend, that's the promise of God. Amen. And it's still good in 2023. Yes, sir. Oh, yes, it is. And it applies to Christians in Long Beach, California. Yes. And it applies to you. Here's an idea and I'm done. Let's stop whining. Let's stop complaining. Let's stop murmuring. Let's decide to trust God and his plan. Before I left today, I had a chance to read a couple of books to my granddaughters. I have twin granddaughters. And if you want to see any pictures of them, I might have a few that I'll show you. My, my, my church people laugh at me because when I became a grandfather, I became an old softy. That's me. My granddaughters come to the door every week after church. And they stand at my feet or they have me hold them when I'm greeting the people going out. Ashley and Matt found out they were pregnant. Man, we were excited. Our first grandchildren then we found out there were a lot of complications. I won't go into the whole story, but those granddaughters had a disease called TTTS or TAPS. One, one of the girls had the mother's blood share, the placenta. The other one had tapped foreign veins and was tapped into the other one. And it was going to be fatal to both of them. The doctors pressured my daughter and my son-in-law to choose one or the other take that life and then hopefully the other one could survive and they refused to do it. He said, we believe that God is going to give us both of them. Amen. Again, a long story short, they had to go to Denver. They were in Denver for about three weeks until they could have this in utero surgery. The doctor said, there's only about 30% both of them survive. My wife and I were driving from Detroit back to Chicago with my parents. I'd gone to see my son singing at a church up there. And that drive, there wasn't a lot of talking because it was during the surgery that they were doing this. They were going in to burn those veins that had formed between the two. And again, they said, just a small chance that both of them will survive. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I was tempted to say, God, I just don't understand. Why would you give us this gift and then take it? Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. We flew home that night. The next morning, we got up and 
They said they won't know anything until the next morning. On Saturday morning, we're back in Arizona, and my daughter calls us, and she says, I want you to hear something. And she held <laughs> it down to the monitor phone, and there was two heartbeats. My wife and I, we, we about had a fit. <laughs> Thanking God and praising God. And I really believe that our whole church, of course, we were praying and asking God to do a miracle. And my daughter has had a chance to witness to so many people because of this whole ordeal. Yep. She's been featured in the Phoenix Children's Hospital magazine, all kinds of magazines. And she always puts as much about God. They put a lot about God in there and they'll print some of it. But I believe our faith is stronger. Yep. I wouldn't have chosen that. But I want to tell you something, friend. God doesn't always give us what we want. Yep. But he gives us what we need. That's right. Amen. And the truth is, it's far better yep. in the end than what we want. Yeah. We'll just trust him. Let's stop whining. I want a toy. I don't want this guy. How about if we trust him? How about if we decide to do that? He's a good God. He's faithful. Yes. He loves you, friend. Beyond what I could even say. Father, we love you tonight. We're so grateful for your word. Thank you for this simple story tucked away in the Old Testament. Father, there's loss that suffered here, but all oh, there's gain. Boy, there's a great ending here. Help us not to get stuck where Naomi was in that place of bitterness. Now, we all may be tempted to become bitter, but we don't have to stay there. I thank God for Ruth and her testimony, her faith in Jehovah God. I pray that you'd help us to just trust you. When difficult things come into our life, that we'd realize that all things work together for good, so says the Lord. We can trust him. How many would say tonight, preacher, I've been saved, I've been born again, I know it, I'm a Christian, I'm a child of God. You'd raise your hand and say, that's me, I'm a Christian, I know it, I'm saved. Good, you can put your hands down. I wonder if there'd be anybody say, preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved, pray for me, pray for me, I'm not sure I'm saved, pray for me. Anybody like that? Anybody like that? I'm not sure I'm saved. Friend, don't leave here tonight if you're not saved. Amen. How many would say tonight, preacher, I needed that tonight. I, maybe I'm not bitter, but I'm tempted at times to become bitter, and I don't want to stay that way. I don't want to be like a spoiled child. I need to trust my good God, just like that little girl should have trusted her mother. Say, preacher, God convicted my heart. I needed that tonight. I needed that example. I... Maybe I need to stop complaining and stop questioning God. I want to trust Him. I want to claim His promise and realize that He has a plan and a purpose. How many would say, that's me as a Christian, I needed that tonight? Wonderful, wonderful. Father, you've seen the hands, you know the hearts. Please work. Please work even tonight. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your word. Thank you for the examples you've given to us. Are we okay to stand, preacher? Let's stand together. If you raised your hand, you meant business, you'd like to come, won't you come? Just do what God tells you to do. That's all. That's all. Just do what God tells you to do. You can make an altar even there in your seat and say, God, I, I, don't want, I want to trust you. 
I don't want to complain. I don't want to doubt you. I don't want to falsely accuse you. 